0: You're listening to Not The Wifey Type, the podcast, a cape-free zone where we share stories and break down strength and struggle narratives to reimagine lives with us at the center. I'm your host, Kayla Charleston. Now let's get into it. um hi, hello, long time no see. I hope I haven't given y'all trust issues waiting on me to post another episode. I know I posted one and then disappeared for two months almost three. uh I thought I would take an episode to explain why that was and also to kind of have a little sit down and chat with y'all. Before getting into the meat of the season, I don't even think in the first episode that I released that was supposed to be for the season that I introduced the season in the way that I usually do. So just a, a chance to like sit down and, and talk about you know where I've been, and um, not only talk about why I haven't been putting out episodes, uh, but I want to end on a positive note and talk about why I finally decided to come back, or it was time to come back and. Some of the guests and topics you can expect for this season and with a little minor, maybe not so minor, it might be half of what I have to say, but a little segue into something that happened this weekend on social media. So let's, I guess, jump right into it. First and foremost, as for why I have taken such a long break, um, everything is overwhelming, everything. And there are so many things. It's kind of like that feeling when you have so much to do and you get anxious thinking about trying to do it all. So you end up doing nothing. (laughs) It's like that, except for me, the having so much to do is actually the world as we know it crumbling. (laughs) And the anxiety thinking about it for me is the thought that I'm only one person who can't single-handedly change the fate of humankind. And you know, sometimes I just... Don't really see it for us as a species. We can't even decide on whether or not to wear masks to save people's lives. So coming to terms with all of that and all that's happening has been a lot for me. And it's, it just feels like it's been issue after issue after issue. And like, for example, um, climate change, global warming. Uh, when I moved to this city 10 years ago, minus the little the, two year break I had, In another city, Um, I do not remember it being this damn hot. So I fluctuate between cursing at myself for deciding to have a dog that requires daily walks and exercise during the hottest period in human history and like existential dread over speculation of what will happen (laughs) Or what it'll be like to live on Earth in 30 years if we don't change course. That alone, if I think about it too much, is paralyzing. And granted, I shouldn't allow myself to like ruminate over it too much, but it's a lot. Then there's gun violence. And it's impossible to keep track of all the mass shootings at this point. I don't even think all of them make it to the news. And many of the ones that do... They, you know, may only be in the news cycle for a short while because there's another one that comes up. So, um, sorry if this sounds morbid, but it's hard to believe that rampant gun violence can be tolerated indefinitely without ever being personally impacted by it. And I know one shooting that happened maybe a couple years ago was at a grocery store in the town where I grew up. Like this was the grocery store that I frequented as a child. If I was going, if my family was going to get groceries, we were going to this grocery store. And even scarier than that, the the shooter attempted to go in a church before deciding on the grocery store, but he wasn't able to get past the locked doors at the church. And that church happened to be the one a family member of mine has gone to for decades. So talk about hating close to home, you know, um, n- nobody I know was hurt, you know, during that shooting, but it's still unnerving to think about how an everyday task or a, a mundane place can be used for something so ugly. And then that's the other thing. Not only is it scary to think about how you can be minding your business when something pops off. But the reasons why these shooters are turning to violence are almost always tied back to white supremacy and or misogyny. Like these men are really mad that they haven't been able to obtain the spoils of their whiteness and or the their gender in ways uh, that they were promised. So then it becomes everybody else's problem. And I don't really know, what to do with that. So then there's this whole Roe v. Wade thing. This is another thing that really hit me. Um, I did an episode about being child-free by choice. So, I mean, it shouldn't come as a surprise that I'm an advocate for people being able to decide for themselves whether or not they want to um, terminate a pregnancy. Um, When I heard that roe v wade was overturned i was sick not literally but like sick um and afraid i mean i i've never been pregnant before so i've never needed an abortion but you i mean you never fucking know i I might one day i don't know and i have plenty of people in my life who who've had abortions and honestly, the people in my life who've talked about the abortions that they've had, none of them regretted. All of them are are glad they made the decision that they made. And I can only imagine how different their lives would be had they not had that option. And who knows if some of them I would have even ever met, you know, since having a child affects your choices so drastically. So um, I was legit considering whether I should venture to find a doctor who you know let me who get who tie my tubes as an unmarried child-free woman under 35 then then somebody like a like an answered prayer then somebody posted on twitter a list of um doctors who would do it with no questions asked and you better believe I saved it just in case so and then there's inflation i don't even inflation the thing about this that makes me really mad is that it reminds me of an old commercial, I think it was State Farm, where there's an old man, he has a dollar on a fishing line, and he dangles it in front of a woman, and she reaches trying to grab it, and he yanks the line up and says, oh, you almost had it, you gotta be quicker than that, and it reminds me of that commercial, because I feel like that's what America does, constantly like shifting the goalpost, or, or moving the goal just out of reach. And like currently, I make more money than I ever thought I'd make when I was younger, which I mean, that's not saying a ton because I, <laughs> funny story, I mean, I don't know, funny to me, but I remember once when I was in grad school, they had a uh, position in my department open that they were looking to fill, and some of the faculty were discussing it, and we grad students were in the room because. They wanted us to understand the process of the academic job search and what to expect and all that stuff. So they said the salary for the position was sixty thousand dollars. And when I heard that, it's funny because the only other black guy in the room and I looked at each looked at each other. And we're like, shit, that's good. he dollars. I'll, I'll take that. I'm, mm, mm. you know, <laughs> meanwhile, the white people in the room were talking about how it was just an okay salary. No big deal. <laughs> so, um, both the black guy and I came from like lower socioeconomic status backgrounds than the other people in the room, which is why we thought, Uh, Which is why we were the only two who thought $60,000 sounded like a lot of money at the time. So when I say I make more money than I ever expected, know that I didn't start with super high expectations. But now as an adult, even with a salary that I feel like is good or should be good or would be good if it weren't for this flagrant ass inflation, the money doesn't go as far, and it's like the lady in the commercial. She can see the dollar. She's trying to grab for it, and it's being yanked out of reach, and she's being told, oh, you got to be quicker than that, and you know, I don't even want to be out here reaching for dollars. I just want to be out here living, but we have shit like the cost of living, and that's why I'm out here reaching for dollars, <laughs> so um Maybe this is a bad way of framing it, and that's my problem. But it's like if you go outside, it feels like a matter of what's going <laughs> to. This is terrible. With me saying this out loud, it, it, I feel like it sounds terrible. But this is this is I'm being honest. This is how it it is in my head. It's like. If you go outside, it feels like a matter of what's going to get you first. Are you going to have a heat stroke from the boiling temperatures? Will somebody decide to unload a clip in in your general vicinity? That's not funny. It's not funny, but like what it's literally what the fuck is going on is going on in the world. Will you catch one of the two? Or actually, I think it may be three at this point, because I think they just brought back polio. (laughs) Will you catch one of the plagues that are out right now because you breathe someone's air or because you rubbed up against something that was contaminated? And if you manage to avoid all that, you probably are going to end up spending your rent check just to be outside. And then, if you decide to sit down somewhere and lay up with somebody, lay up under somebody, having some indoor fun, then you know there's the imperative that you do not get pregnant unless you actually want a child now. So it's like, what, what the fuck? And then, if you if you get pregnant, there are formula shortages. Apparently, now there's an epidural, uh, epidural shortage, mm-hmm. uh, and also the risk of death associated or, or, or other complications associated with being black and bearing children. So. <laughs> Like I said that's probably not the best way to like frame it but that's that's part of why I've been away for so long is because I've, I have guess I've been working on trying to f- frame it better in my head so it's not so paralyzing to think about and so for a long time I couldn't manage to do anything more than what I abso- absolutely had to do and sometimes you know I pushed it and and didn't even do that so like working my little day job and taking care of my dog son and that's all the bandwidth I had and you know even doing that was weird because I'd go to work meaning wake up and roll out of bed and throw on some sweats and walk to my desk to warm up my laptop and pretend like none of these things are happening around me and all of my coworkers would be pretending and everybody would just be pretending. So I'm at work talking about what color the arrows on this graphic should be and why we need to have this specific sentence worded this specific way in this specific document, all while nobody acknowledges the chaos that has become part of our everyday lives. And I guess maybe that's, the issue is that the chaos is normalized, but it shouldn't be. It's not normal, and I wonder like I would even say that it's not humane for us to be enduring such chaos and grief and anxiety and stress with no end in sight and no built-in rest. So, I didn't I didn't want the podcast to be that for me. I didn't want to be, you know, plugging along and continuing to put out episodes like I was okay or like things are okay without acknowledging that I wasn't or that a lot of things are not. And, um, you know, I wouldn't call it depression. I know what depression feels like and this feels different. So I gave myself permission not to feel like I needed to keep producing and being productive in spite of the chaos around me and to just let things go and till I had the bandwidth to do them again. Now, granted, I can use better self-care practices like not doom scrolling or staying up till 2 a.m. and I know I have to be at work by eight or I could probably meditate somewhere. I love meditating, but I do it for a week consistently and then I'm off it. And so um, I'm working on reframing the things I can't control, Which brings me, since I mentioned doom scrolling, to social media as the other very large part in why I haven't felt like releasing episodes. And um, I can't remember if I've ever said this before, but I honestly, positively, unequivocally loathe social media. I cannot stand it. And... Well, I will say this. I will say the one part about social media that I enjoy is Black people as a collective are funny as fuck, like undefeated humor, nobody's seeing us. I might be biased. I I am biased, okay? But it's true. We're funny, all right? I, I don't even know, though, that that's me appreciating social media as much as it is me appreciating Black people and what we bring anywhere we are, so- I hate social media for sev- s- uh, several reasons. Um, I'm human and even though I know it's not healthy or conducive to be, pe- uh, to a peaceful mindset to compare yourself to others, um, social media makes it so easy to do. And we've all heard that it's, social media is a highlight reel for people's lives. And that's true. Like you're only seeing what people want you to see. So sometimes I do fall into comparisonitis um, despite my best efforts and that can take a toll on my day, my mood, my demeanor, my demeanor, so on and so forth. Um, Then there's the aspect of needing social media to succeed at certain ventures. And it feels virtually impossible to, to succeed at most businesses without the help of social media. Because, um, you know, where are you going to find an audience if you're not on social media? And I'll admit I need to establish better boundaries for myself and social media use so that it doesn't feel like such a drain. But it really is unfortunate that social media is requ- is a required component of doing business. And what makes compulsory so- social media use worse is that, or maybe the thing that makes it bad in general, because maybe social media wouldn't be as bad without this next part. But um, the thing that makes it worse is that people on there are unhinged, like they are not okay. And these platforms do not do enough to protect those who experience harassment, especially on Twitter, which is why when I do promote episodes, I usually promote them on Instagram, Cause I feel like you're far less likely to get harassed on like Instagram. Instagram's trash now, by the way, but anyway, um, (laughs) that's neither here nor there. Uh, Because like on Twitter, it's been on Twitter that I've seen the most, the the ugliest and the most violent um, harassment be reserved for black women. And and it can be over the most mundane, you know, nonsensical things, but let it get into the wrong hands or on the wrong timelines. And that's, that's the end of it. So, um, with the type of content I make, I've actually been reluctant to share it on some, in some spaces. And I am going to give some examples why. So I'm going to, I'm going to give two examples. One is something that happened recently, probably like a week and a half, no more than two weeks ago. Uh, and then the other one is me from this past weekend. So, The incident that happened like a week and a half ago, not more than two weeks ago, is with a girl named Lip Gloss who made a TikTok, and the TikTok made it to Twitter. And I had seen a couple of her videos before, but hadn't watched this particular series. But if you're on Twitter, you you already know what this is about. But I'm going to explain it for those who aren't. She apparently was doing a series of TikToks about her journey to accept and be comfortable with her natural hair as it was so like so like without stretching it or um using a bunch of products to to manipulate the pattern just shrunken forcey tightly coiled kinky hair and i want to also note that she is a dark-skinned woman um with forcey hair because that absolutely plays a part in the reaction that she received so, in the video that made it to Twitter, she was fluffing out her fro, you know, looking at it from different angles and talking about what it's like to get it to look the way she wants it to look and in a and state and being comfortable and blah, blah, blah. So, she made a joke about how she can only pull white boys with that hair somewhere in there and moved on. It was quick and she moved on quickly, okay? People who are actually okay heard that and laughed or maybe could relate or whatever and moved on with her. But people who are, shall we say, unwell, (laughs) did not. So when some Black men heard it, because I know people like qualifiers, oh no, some Black men, Um, when some Black men heard it, they took it as a personal slight and started attacking her and calling her ugly and saying she was lying about black men that black men love all types of natural hair and naming all these other reasons why she must not be able to get a black man and um there were also some black women who joined in because wherever black men go their little lap dogs who love their approval are sure to follow um and as if that weren't bad enough as if All of that weren't bad because there were thousands of people like making comments on this and being disingenuous about what she was actually saying and misconstruing her words. But if as if that weren't bad enough, one guy took screenshots of lip glosses' pictures and used them to make dating profiles on two apps and then paid money for premium versions of these dating apps, these dating profiles. Um, and he did that so he could come back to Twitter and show people what he did, and that there were, according to him, hundreds of black men who expressed interest in her profiles. And she was definitely, definitely lying about black men and and black men not liking natural hair. Because look at all these black men who were interested in her profile. Not, I mean, not even to mention that just because somebody likes your profile doesn't mean that they're going to be about shit like niggas be on there just to fuck like and niggas will somebody said men will fuck a mcchicken so a nigga liking your profile is not saying much okay so (laughs) that was some (laughs) that was some real creep shit like all this and that girl didn't even say black men's name not one time didn't didn't say one explicit word about black men but still they found it necessary to swoop in and defend their image like they like all they ever do is uplift dark skin black women with kinky hair and they needed to set the record straight i can't speak for other people but for me that that's scary enough to make me not want to post anything online if they can take something that wasn't even about them and make it a personal attack and um that you know people someone that, that someone could do something as weird and as creepy as use someone else's photos for dating profiles and then come back to the internet and have their actions defended like it was some kind of gotcha and not the weird creep shit that it actually was that that's scary. So and and for a lot of these men, if they're not violent themselves or, or harassing themselves, they are they are apologists for men who are, or they sit back quietly while the harassment is happening. And this is what I meant when I made the Good Men Don't Exist episode. All men benefit from a society where a minority of men, if you want to call it that, use violence, harassment, and other tactics to keep women performing and behaving as they want them to. So I'll admit I have a lot of anxiety around um, around that with my content, because this is not the only occasion where I can think of, you know, or, where a group of men take something that wasn't about them and use it as ammunition to stalk, harass, and threaten a black woman. And that brings me to something that happened recently. And, um, yeah, I had a tweet. I had a tweet. I made a tweet. I twote. I tweeted. <laughs> I had a tweet that went viral and got the kind of attention that I feared and I, or maybe it didn't, I don't know. You judge for yourself when I make it through this story, judge for yourself if it sounds as bad as, or almost as bad as the story that I just told you. So I don't have a large social media, uh, large social media followings because I disappear for months at a time when I feel like it. So most of my posts stay on the lower side of engagement. Most likes I've ever gotten on, like on Twitter, is like a thousand or something, which is fine. I don't really care for engagement. I, I don't want y'all looking at my shit because y'all weird when y'all do. So, um, this past weekend I had a tweet get over forty five thousand likes and two thousand quote retweets. If you're not familiar with Twitter, a quote retweet is kind of like a caption that you can put over a tweet and you can see people who see your caption can also see the original tweet underneath it. So they can have context for what your caption means if you're not familiar. So 45,000 likes, 2000 quote retweets and 1000 replies. And for people not familiar with Twitter, the, the 2000 quote retweets and the 1000 replies showed up in my notification. So I got notifications about all that shit. So I literally had thousands of people in my mentions over a throwaway tweet I posted right before going to bed and woke up in the morning with my notifications on fire. So, uh, yeah, let me explain what the tweet was and what the context was. I'm going to play. I'm actually going to play the audio for you from a video. But the context is that this is a clip from the show Black Love which is notorious for showcasing, in my opinion, dusty ass, un- undesirable relationships as like the pillar of black love and what it stands for. So basically couples come on the show to share the love stories and you know how they came to be a couple and grew over the years. But most of the couples, it's a mess. Niggas be cheating. They be dragging their wives through the depths of hell and then praising them for their ability to bounce back from it. And people eat it up. So that's the context. Y'all know, y'all know, I mean, I had an episode on struggle love. We talked about that, okay? Black women love struggle love, okay? So that's the context. Now here's the audio.
1: We were girlfriend, boyfriend, maybe six, no, about a year into. Mm-hmm. Your graduate school, I lost my job. I had always had jobs, internships mm-hmm. and stuff, so I didn't never had to go without. And he's um, a provider. Like, yeah. that's just who
0: he is by nature. He's a person who, if we offer drinks,
1: he's going to slap his card on the bar and pay for everyone's drinks. So to not be able to do that was taking a toll on him. It was, it was, yeah, it was him. messing me up. So I was, like, becoming a very angry, different person Um, <laughs> in that point in time. I'm running out of money. She wants to go on double date with one of her colleagues or one of her classmates, and I'm like, no, like let's eat this Jimmy John's this weekend. Like I'm just chilling. It's like no, her boyfriend's coming to town. We're going out. And if you ever met this one before, she can uh, be very <laughs> much decisive, and you don't have much say in it. Um, so we go out. I'm just seeing them all up the men. You know, we all your friend drinks i'll have the water <laughs> lemon please and i'm just like counting up cause i'm like oh my god what are we gonna do when this bill comes that's all i can think about the entire time i look down and i see that i had a um text from her i was like yo check your account and i saw that she had quick pay me money to cover the meal so i could pull out my card as opposed to her you know pulling out hers and i just like that's crazy bro like that, that right there I said when I get my life together I'm marrying you you don't have to think you I'm marrying you because you freaking get it bro you with me what was the most humiliating moments of my life just like she wouldn't let me lose hope
0: now y'all heard that clip okay Y'all heard it that grown-ass man said being able to look like he was covering the tab for their night out in front of other people was so important to him that it was that moment in particular that he decided she should be his wife. So my comment on that video was this. This man said he became an quote-unquote angry different person when he wasn't in a comfortable financial situation. And instead of working through that himself, it became her job to overcompensate and preserve his ego. To each their own, but it is truly not worth it to me. Okay, end end tweet. That was the end of the tweet. I tweeted that, and people started to react. I had uh, I had some follow up tweets um, in the thread, but it was mostly the first tweet that people responded to. I think some of them thought I was saying she shouldn't have paid during the one period of time that he couldn't provide when I was really pointing out how much um, ego was involved in him needing to look like he paid and how that's not something I elect to do in my relationships. But, um, You know, I had thousands of people telling me I must be miserable. I need to heal. That's why I'm single and will be forever. I don't deserve love. I'm a bird. I got called a few bitches and a few hoes. Um, one guy said, I don't have a real bed, which is probably the funniest comment to come out of it. Another one called me a wig head, which I think, um, Nick sales made up for black women. It's it's, it's like a term Nick sales made up for black women that they think are wearing, uh, weaves and wigs. It's like derogatory because that's all black women do is wear weaves and wigs. Like there's something wrong with that. That was another funny one. So all these people doing fucking Olympian pole vault level leaps over the fact that this man said he became a very angry, different person when he was broke. And I didn't even fault him for that. Like being broke can make you angry and it can change you. But why would it be her responsibility to sit in the house with him and do nothing when she obviously had the funds to go out, or to regulate his emotions for him by helping him to keep up a performance that he was temporarily unable to live up to. Why would it not be a better idea to address why you feel angry and unlike yourself when you can't provide, especially when you clearly have a partner who's willing to hold you down in the meantime? Like, That's the problematic part for me um, if I'm with a man who has difficult feelings come up for him involving how he thinks about himself as a man, I do not want to have to be the one doing the heavy lifting to think of ways to get him back to himself. I want him to do the introspection and the work to figure out the root of it. And he can let me know how I can be supportive along the journey, but I won't do the work for him. And, you know, I can't do the work that is going to enable him not to have to do any work at all. So, you know, he, like, he didn't have to process anything. The man in this video didn't have to process process anything. He chose a woman who was going to anticipate how he would, how he would feel and would adjust herself accordingly. And like, to me, that makes sense. But to like thousands of people on Twitter, it did not make sense, and they needed to know they needed me to know how dumb I was for thinking it didn't make sense. It's really interesting, though, like it compared to the people that were saying it didn't make sense, it was like four times as many people who liked the post. I'm assuming in agreement, but they were very much so the silent majority <laughs> Cause they were few and far between supporting me in those comments. So anyway, something else interesting that came of this. Somebody replied to the tweet about how, you know, people get on Twitter and write up a whole uh, thesis about stuff. So I responded that my actual thesis is 135 pages. And for my research, I did focus groups with black men and black women about masculinity and how it's constructed in the context of black male female relationships, if, if you're interested. And... You know, people like people like getting on there being smart and shit, like, oh, you get on here writing a the whole thesis. No bitch, I, I wrote an actual thesis. So this is this is what it is. And somebody somebody came, somebody saw that comment and said that they actually would be interested in reading my thesis. And this was a woman and I I believe she was genuinely interested, so I shared uh that I published actually an article in an academic journal and I gave her the title of the article if she wanted to download it because it's I mean the article is available on the internet it's not like a secret or anything you can look it up and find it if you if you know what to look for um so I didn't have a, I, didn't, I didn't have an issue giving her the title of the article um because she seemed like she was genuinely interested in reading it and learning more then somehow Blackmail studies twitter found the tweet and with with the journal article title in it. And um, I'll say this, Black Male Studies is about as legitimate as white people saying they need a White History Month because we have a Black History Month or they need white entertainment television because we have BET. Um, everything in our communities center centers cishet black men. So how much space do you really need to take up? But anyway, that's another topic. Um, one... One of them tweeted me saying that they read and appreciated how well structured and nuanced and empathetic toward black men. The article was in like pointing out how black men's identities are constructed over time as a, as a fluid ongoing process. And so how could I write that article, but then tweet something as callous and grossly assumptive as this, this thread and Basically what that article was saying was that men's conception of their identities and their masculinity is not static. It doesn't stay the same throughout the, or it doesn't have to stay the same throughout the course of their life. It can change with time. um, It can change with experiences and it can be based on different things, which contrasts with a lot of research that says black men are uh, racially oppressed in society and their masculinity is based mostly or only on their oppressed status just not a com- complete picture of complete computer it's not a complete picture of you know how we come to understand our gender our gender identities blah 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 so this guy this black uh studies twitter guy uh, he went on to misrepresent the article on some mission to prove a contradiction that did exist. And I, I ultimately deleted the tweet with the article name in it because I felt like it gave more and more weirdos access to information about me as, and as, you know, as it pertains to my institutional affiliations. But over time, as more men from that side of Twitter started responding, it became clear to me that they seemed legitimately confused. And I think a lot of Black men rely on being able to say, being able to dismiss what you're saying as just you being bitter or angry or that you hate men, you know, as a reason for why you hold certain beliefs about them or things that involve them. They think they're downtrodden and discouraged from accessing a full range of human emotions by women. And it's women alone who expect them to live up to capitalism and patriarchy and produce, produce, produce. And if you can't, you're useless. But instead of challenging the institutions that are actually responsible for them feeling that way, they'd rather aim their disdain at black women. So it threw them for a fucking loop to read something from a, from a woman, a black woman that treated and talked about them with compassion and understanding for the pressures they face and the negative light that often gets cast on them. So for that woman to then go on social media and proclaim that she's not dealing with your ego and a, in a relationship that requires her to is not for her. well, (laughs) that's basically <laughs> that basically short-circuited cir- their their wiring. And the confusion comes from their own denial about who they are. They want to be seen as victims of their circumstances so badly that they deny the parts they have control over. And they'll gaslight you into oblivion to keep denying those parts that they have control over, the things that they can fix. So it it's an affront to them that you would choose to act toward them based on the latter identity, based on the things they have the power to control, but deny rather than the former. If, you know, they've, I guess, if they've seen that you have some kind of understanding of the, 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 the uh, pressures that are there for them. So it's kind of like, oh, I thought you understood us. What do you mean you won't pretend we're providers? What do you mean you don't re- want a relationship where my ego is your priority? It's like, one of them suggested I was either faking for Twitter with this with this thread so that I wouldn't look like a pick me, or I was faking in academia. So like I wrote a whole ass thesis trying to be fake empathetic to black men. <laughs> because they just could not reconcile that I could understand black masculinity, but also not fuck with them, awesome. Uh, your ego doesn't come first, type shit. It's it's wild. So I think the through line between this viral situation and the one with lip gloss is the pretending and the denial. In the natural hair debacle, the the men were mad that a young woman was pretending or, or was was wasn't keeping wasn't pretending, is what I meant to say. Wasn't keeping up appearances that black men love and support their own image because make no mistake, a dark-skinned Black woman with tightly coiled natural hair is Black men's image too. So um, in my viral situation, they were mad that I would even suggest it's not worth it to pretend and keep up a facade that they're providers, which by and large Black men aren't because they don't have the means. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them for that, but the majority of Black men are not So providing, solely providing for homes. And I had a few men in my mentions telling me that they hate me and they hate women like me. And I think one deleted what he said, but he was like, I hate you so much and I don't even know you. And like, let's (laughs) let's think about that for a minute. You know, why can a random person on the Internet who simply gave their opinion on a situation that did not directly pertain to you, why can that person evoke hatred? How could you possibly hate them? Like the answer, it can't be anything else, but you hate yourself. Like you can probably relate to the man falling on hard times, which I'm not knocking, like I said, because there's a lot going on right now. Inflation is a bitch. Rent prices are high. Gas prices are high. Grocery prices are are high. Everybody is out here price gouging. So... I, I'm not mad at it, but to fall short of the quote-unquote masculine perfor- uh, burden of performance and see a woman who won't even pretend to still uphold the image and and tens of thousands of likes in agreement, that probably rattled them some. Um, and that's the issue. Their, their self-image and their sense of self is so shaky that even the slightest brush up against something that does not reflect how they want or need to view themselves as something uh, is enough for it to shatter their, their, their self image and their sense of self and for them to react. And you start removing the veneer out of, out of place just a little bit and that hatred starts peeking through. And that's, that's why some of them react so violently. So I said all that to say, Having a podcast kind of requires you to use social media if you want people to find it. And while I don't consider this podcast to be about men, and I hope you don't either, I do think parts of it are devoted to taking off the veneer, uh, which can be enough to draw some potentially dangerous attention. And it's scary for me. And um, I I will say... That going viral met my expectations, but also didn't. Like I it, it did in that I was flooded with people making up things about me that they couldn't possibly know and you know, arguing against points that I never made. But it didn't because I expected them to go a lot further than the insults about being single. Like that was the that was the main thing that people were throwing at me. Oh, that's why you're single, blah blah blah. Um and oh, oh, <laughs> No, we can't forget about all the guys, the the literally hundreds of guys who thought they were being so original by pointing out that my screen name, my my Twitter name is not the wifey type and so I would expect something of something like this from you cuz you're not the wifey type. Like, clap it up, okay? Clap it up for you and your originality because I definitely don't have hundreds of men saying that the same thing to me about that. So, um Only one person dug into my media or or went through my media to find like I guess pictures to use against me, and that was the guy who came up came to the conclusion that I don't have a real bed. (laughs) Uh, Nobody nobody dug through my tweets to like find shit to argue about or. Maybe they just couldn't find anything. I don't know. As far as I know, it all stayed above board with declarations that I don't deserve love and will never be loved. <laughs> so um, I guess that's a a win. I guess I consider that a win to having a tweet with over 9 million impressions that that got that much negative attention without like being doxed. Let me knock on wood to make sure because I still got them notifications rolling in while I'm recording this so uh, but to have a tweet that got that much attention without like being doxxed or anybody saying anything to really like that that really sunk their teeth into me or dug their claws into me or however you want to phrase it I think that I think I considered that a win so it did take a little bit of the fear away from me not all of it not all of it but at least it showed me that I could survive a a mild dragging and I don't really feel like I was getting dragged because I know I was right. But I'm sure the people tweeting me thought they were dragging me. So I, I survived it. And yeah, those are all the reasons. I hope all that made sense. But those are all the reasons that I have not been posting because I hate social media. And the world is just overwhelming right now. But now for the reasons why I decided to come back this whole social media thing is actually, (laughs) it actually fits into both categories. It's a great example of why I decided to come back because in preparation for talking about it, it really got me to work through my ideas about what was happening and why. And, um, I don't ever get on here and just shoot from the hip because it's not my strength. So anytime I say something, I've tried to be thorough in my consideration of it, even though, You know, the social media thing didn't get too ugly. It was still rough to have thousands of people telling you how dumb you are, how wrong you are, how unlovable you are. But preparing for this show helped me to process that what they were saying ain't got shit to do with me. And, you know, I could have muted the tweet, but I preferred not to so I could block all the people (laughs) that... Where am I mentioned saying crazy shit mostly not not everybody just the people mostly people who are calling me names or saying shit like i hate you because something's wrong with you um and and maybe if i have a tweet that ever get, you know gains that much tr- attraction again i'll handle it differently and mute it and just completely ignore it i don't know but um who knows uh but in general i think this show helps me to think through a lot of the things that, that I experience, And I miss that because I I get on here and I share them with you. And so in sharing them with you and preparing to share them with you, I'm, I'm processing them. Um, and, and, you know, kind of having a deeper understanding of them for myself. And I miss that. And I probably said before, on here but I really believe that um we come to understand ourselves better through community and through discussion and discourse with other people and even though this isn't technically a real-time conversation with you all trying to break down information in ways that will help other people helps me to understand to better understand what I need help with and then um the conversations with guests I'm being exposed to new things and new ideas just like you all just like you all are so I miss that as well and um Yeah, not that I, not that I think through anything else, any less when I'm not podcasting because I'm a chronic overthinker, but the added element of having to articulate it instead of just thinking about it is what's helpful. So another reason for coming back is that I've I've invested a lot in this show. Like, part of it is money. I've invested several thousand dollars in this in this show. Like, there are subscription fees associated with running a podcast in a hosting platform. You need recording software that isn't crappy like Zoom, audio cleaning software, all that stuff. It starts adding up. All those little subscriptions, they start adding up. I've been playing with the idea of starting a Patreon, so I invested in a new camera for you know, behind the scenes content and stuff like that. And quality cameras are not cheap. I also want to introduce merchandise, but I didn't want to slap not the wifey type on the shirt and charge $50 for it. So I actually commissioned a graphic designer to create, you know, a couple unique designs to put on some merch. So that wasn't cheap. I went to a podcast conference in May that was several hundred dollars to attend because I want to continue improving the content and the quality of the content that I put out. And you know, so I've, I've put my money into something that I have not yet leveraged to make money back from. And that's because um, I believe in my message. And So apart from monetary investments in the show, I have actually recorded like six or seven interviews for this season already. I recorded them in April and May and have just been sitting on them. And this has actually been the easiest season for me in terms of scheduling and booking guests ahead of time and like not having to scramble to to um, make sure I'm able to make the weekly deadline in time to get a new episode out. Like I have, I have um, interviews in the queue waiting to be released. I just have not felt like putting it out. So um but I think it's important that I do because the people that I've interviewed have also made investments. They've invested their time and contributed their thoughts. So, you know, if it were me who'd done an interview and it just never came out, I would be like, "Okay, did this bitch just waste my did, did huge waste my time?" like. <laughs> so, I owe it to them to make good on their investments. And then the last reason is that I feel like I haven't yet achieved what I've come here to do and if I give up now I don't want to feel like I played small out of fear of what could come if my audience continues to grow so like I said fear plays a big role in that because now there's a lot of backlash toward The progress women have made and this is actually a a, a phenomenon it's a social sociological phenomenon that anytime women make like quote unquote too much progress in society there's like a, a strong backlash from like media and different institutions to kind of set set the progress back so what's happening now is not a coincidence like the 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 me too movement got a lot of people mad uh Uh, the growing number of women opting out of marriage and having the means to do so has got a man and it's got, them trying to convince us as, as many as they can that being miserable with them is the only option versus being peaceful by yourself. I don't think it's completely safe to have a platform that offers a counter narrative, but I do feel led to keep going and keep doing this unless or until it starts to become materially unsafe for me. Um, and finally, as for what you can expect on this season, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't actually want to give too much of it away. But some general topics: we were talking a little, a little sex work, a little trap feminism, a little uh, living and thriving abroad, because y'all know that's on every season. Um, got a therapist talking about her experiences doing couples therapy and how she sees women overcompensate for their partners, which is very fitting for what happened last this this past weekend on Twitter um I'll be throwing a couple more solo episodes in there I did a light episode about Nick Sells uh I think it was last season season three maybe I don't remember but I, I really want to take a deeper dive into the connection connections between what's going on with like reproductive rights and trans rights and like the strengthening online present presence of of incels and and nixels if you will because it is genuinely all connected so those are my plans for the season i hope that you stay tuned and welcome if you're new thank you for coming back if you're not Thank you for listening to Not The Wifey Type, the podcast. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes drop and rate and review so others will know how much you love the show too. If you want to keep up with me personally, you can follow me on Instagram at NotTheWifeyType. Until next time, I'm reminding you to belong to yourself.